Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for our message this morning comes from our appointed psalm, Psalm 8, which we prayed earlier in the service. So today in the church year, we celebrate Trinity Sunday. Today we are reminded that our amazing God, the God revealed to us in the scriptures, is Trinitarian, Father, Son, and Spirit, three persons and yet one God. By his very nature, God is above us. What I mean is that he is beyond our human reason. He is incomprehensible. He is untamable. Our God is a big God. So is this good news or bad news? What do you think? Let me ask you a more pointed question. God is watching. Is this good news or bad news? Depends, right? An all-knowing, all-seeing God who knows my every thought, no matter how good or how evil, certainly doesn't make me feel warm and squishy inside. He sees me in my darkest moments. There is no hiding from this big God. I may be able to keep my sins hidden from you, but no matter how hard I try to conceal it, my guilt and shame is on full display for God. I wouldn't say that's quite good news, would you? And yet, in another context, God is watching is very good news. This all-powerful, ever-present God is with me in my darkest moments. He walks with me through the trials and tribulations of life, providing me strength, peace, joy, and hope. And how do I know this? Because of Christ. Because of Jesus. My goal this morning is that after hearing my message, you would more fully trust that our big God is good news for you in Christ. And to do so, I'd like for us to take a closer look at Psalm 8. This is a great psalm for Trinity Sunday because it highlights for us the greatness, the majesty, the bigness of our God. I really appreciate the flow of this psalm. I picture our psalmist David on some serene summer evening. The sky is clear, the stars are out, and he finds himself just staring. I'm sure you've been there before, maybe on a camp out, atop a mountain after a long hike, or sailing on a ship at sea. You look up at the sky and you have one of those awe-filled moments where you're just soaking up the beauty of God's creation. And just as David does, you're led to recognize God's greatness and give him praise O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. David, he records for us one of those beautiful moments where time stands still. And he's able to just sit back and enjoy God's world. But then all of a sudden, the mood changes. As he reflects on this incredible universe, his awe-filled moment turns into an a full moment. He recognizes that this vast universe full of waters and skies, mountains, planets, and stars, he's just a mere speck 
a tiny dot in the grand scheme of things. And he thinks to himself, what could such an incredible, massive God like this possibly have to do with an insignificant speck like me? When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? A bit of a crisis of faith for David here. And yet, he seems to recover so quickly. And how do you think he does this? He goes back to God's revealed word, doesn't he? The scriptures that he's been taught since he was a young boy. In particular, he goes back to God's creation account in Genesis. Again, he writes, Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have set all things under his feet. God tells us in his word that we are truly the crown of his creation. Man is made in God's image, distinct from the angels in that we have a physical body, distinct from the animals in that we have a conscience and the spirit of God dwelling within us. God has made you and me very special, both male and female, And he has put us in charge, the appointed stewards, to take care of the rest of his creation. So, of course, he cares about you. You are his creation made in his likeness, and you are called to manage his massive, majestic world. He knows you intimately. He knows your joys and your sorrows. He hears your prayers. David knew this, and so do you and I today. But this going back to God's word is key because in this broken world, there is much more than just the vastness of the universe that can deal us a crisis of faith. There's evil, right? Evil and suffering. There's death. There's disease. There's shootings and robberies, hurricanes, storms, cancer, car accidents, tragedy, and even war. Our big God doesn't seem so big when he appears to be bested by a mentally unstable teenager shooting up a school. Or when he's outdone by a microscopic virus wreaking havoc on the world. Or when he's outmaneuvered by two warring countries. It's a tough pill to swallow sometimes, isn't it? When it looks as if our all-powerful, all-loving, big God is just sitting on the sidelines and watching. At the very least, Christianity can leave a bad taste in our mouth. Now, a lot of folks like the beginning and the ending of the Christian story. I mean, who doesn't like the idea of a loving God creating paradise for all of humanity to enjoy? The Garden of Eden, right? And in this garden, Adam and Eve enjoy this perfect relationship with God, this perfect relationship with each other, even a perfect relationship with the creation itself. And then, of course, the Bible tells us of the wonderful end of the story. Heaven, new life, redemption and restoration, resurrection and eternal bliss with God again. John puts it this way in Revelation He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. 
perfect beginning, perfect ending. The problem is this middle portion, right? I picture it like this. Imagine an expert chef is preparing for you this wonderful hamburger. She makes fresh gourmet buns from scratch. The top is crusted with your favorite mix of seasonings. The bottom is glazed with butter and toasted to perfection. The patty is the choicest cut of grade A beef cooked just the way that you like it. But then before placing that patty between the two buns, she takes that patty, dunks it in the toilet several times, slathers it with liquid soap, and then sprinkles some old toenail clippings on it. Here you go. Sometimes it feels like that's the burger that God's serving us. And to some extent, I suppose it's true. I mean, Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. He says, if they hated me, they will hate you. He calls his disciples to deny themselves, to take up their crosses, and to follow him. That middle section doesn't always taste so good, does it? Although in another way, this couldn't be further from the truth. For this nasty patty is not of God, but is our own doing. Along with Adam and Eve, we have sinned and rebelled against God. We have brought brokenness into this world and perpetuated sin throughout history. This nasty patty, consisting of death and suffering, is of our own making. And then here's where the metaphor completely falls apart. God doesn't serve us this nasty burger. We certainly deserve it. We should have to eat it. Our sin and rebellion merits suffering and death. But here's the great news. The gospel for you and me is this. God has stepped in and eaten it for us. A biblical metaphor very similar to this is the cup of God's wrath. The cup of God's wrath is referred to several times in the Old Testament, including Isaiah 51, 17. Wake yourself, wake yourself. Stand up, O Jerusalem, you who have drunk from the hand of the Lord the cup of his wrath, who have drunk to the dregs the bowl, the cup of staggering. The idea is that as the people continually sin and rebel against God, the cup of God's wrath is filled more and more and more until finally he pours out his judgment. This is what makes Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane so significant. When he prays, Father, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. You see, Jesus willingly drinks the cup full of nasty, toxic sludge. He willingly consumes all of God's wrath that has been filled to the brim by yours and by my sinful thoughts, words, and deeds. What good news! What a great God. I said earlier that my goal today is for you to more fully trust that our big God is good news for you in Christ. But you see, that's the key. In Christ. Jesus is the answer to our big God problem. To our God is watching problem. Jesus Christ, the Son of God and the Son of Man, took on flesh so that he could die our death. As David puts it in Psalm 8, What is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings, and crowned him with glory and honor. 
That phrase, son of man, is no coincidence. Jesus many times refers to himself as the son of man. The Father has made Jesus a little lower than the heavenly beings. Not made as in created, but made as in sent him on a rescue mission. Sent him to earth to be born of Mary to be our Savior. He suffered and died on the cross so that you and I wouldn't have to. Jesus is the answer to our big God problem. The big God problem is the same problem that David runs into while reflecting upon the universe. A big God seems like a distant God, especially when suffering comes. A big God doesn't seem like a relatable God. This is why we often gravitate toward politicians who aren't politicians, or even politicians who perhaps have military experience, who have served in the trenches alongside of us. In other words, we're drawn to the common man that we can relate to, that can come down to our level. Jesus does just that. The second person of the Trinity, the Son of God, begotten from the Father to eternity, literally became a human baby and was born in Bethlehem. This incomprehensible, untamable, big God allows himself to be rocked and held in our own arms. No wonder David can pray in Psalm 8, Out of the mouths of babes and infants you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. Jesus is our all-powerful big God, but he doesn't defeat his enemies with chariots and horses. He doesn't wow us by putting on a fireworks show. Rather, he establishes strength as an infant born of a sinful, sinful virgin in a tiny town. He stills his enemies not by leading an enormous army wielding thousands of swords and shields, but rather with a few nails and a wooden cross. Jesus is the answer to our God is watching problem. God sees our sin. Yet through Christ, instead he sees our righteousness. Not a righteousness of our own, but he sees the righteousness of Christ covering us. Again, through mere babies, God establishes his, his strength. God can take an infant, and by baptizing him in his name, that Trinitarian name, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Spirit, through this simple washing of water and word, God makes this child his own. He stills that threefold enemy of sin, death, and the devil. And the beautiful gospel is that God is watching no longer has any condemnation. No condemnation whatsoever. For when God watches you, he sees you through the righteousness of Christ. That, that righteousness won on the cross of Calvary as Paul says in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So now, as baptized children of God, the Holy Spirit is living in each of you. And so now you are empowered to go out into this world as agents of restoration and hope. Remember, you are the stewards, the managers of God's incredible creation. God has given you dominion over the works of his hands. He has set all things under your feet, all sheep and oxen 
and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the sea. Therefore, go and remind others that in Christ, they have a big God that loves them, that cares for them. Remind them that God is watching. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Amen.